0: This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie
2: Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now CERTA. Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you
1: can depend on. See CERTAIreland.ie Bucharest is the capital and largest city in the country of Romania. The House of Parliament is one of the largest buildings in the world based on square footage and volume, but it is the world's heaviest building being constructed out of steel, concrete, and marble. It's even listed as such in the Guinness Book of World Records. A beautiful and inexpensive place to visit, it used to be a dangerous place due to an overwhelming amount of stray dogs, though the government has since reduced the stray dog population, especially in bigger cities. Ion Romaro didn't seem to have the social skills needed to woo a girl in a traditional manner. Instead, he would bluntly ask them for sex, and when they inevitably turned him down, he would become violent and lash out. This is Monsters. Ion Rimaru was born on October 12, 1946, in Carabia, Romania. His father, Floria, had served in the Romanian army in World War II. When he got out of the service, he married Ekaterina, and they moved to Carabia due to the availability of work at the time. Five years after Ion was born, the couple had a daughter named Georgetta Maria, and four years later they had another son named Cornell. His parents' relationship with each other was not good. Some say that Floria drank heavily and beat his wife daily. They eventually split up, with Floria moving to Bucharest and working as a tram operator. Eon did terribly in school while he was young, having to repeat ninth grade. In his late teens, he was caught in a relationship with a much younger student who happened to be the daughter of one of the school teachers, and the incident turned into a public scandal, which only became worse when the girl later died of septicemia. Septicemia is when bacteria enters the bloodstream and poisons the blood. It causes organ failure and eventually death. Eon was arrested when he was 18 years old and charged with aggravated robbery. He and some friends had stolen some melons and when the security guard came after him, Eon beat the man severely. He was sentenced to five months imprisonment. Once he finished high school, he was enlisted into the army, but due to medical issues, he was discharged. He was thought to have developed an ulcer which caused him to spend two months in the hospital. He eventually moved to Bucharest and attended the University of Agronomic Sciences and Veterinary Medicine. He remained at the university for years, attempting to complete the program. He had repeated his second year and was in the middle of repeating his third year in the spring of 1970. By this time, Eon's behavior around women had become noticeably unusual. When another student in his dorm had a visit from a woman, Eon's roommate said that he didn't sleep that night. He prowled around outside the other dorm room, muttering to himself like an animal in heat. Eon's father tried to set him up on dates when they both lived in Bucharest, but Eon refused to go on them. He was discouraged that women wouldn't immediately have sex with him after the date. Once, when his sister visited with him with one of her friends, he allowed his sister in but said her friend couldn't come inside. When Georgetta asked him why, he responded, What's the point? Apparently, if a woman wasn't going to have sex with him, there was no point in her coming inside of his residence. Eon developed a new plan to get what he wanted out of women. At 1.30 a.m. on May 9, 1970, 25-year-old Alea Opria left the restaurant where she worked and headed to the bus that would take her home. This was the first time she was taking the bus since a strange man had followed her home the week before. Since then, a coworker had been giving her a ride home, but tonight, she was unavailable, so Elena got some dinner to go and headed to the bus stop. She got off the bus near her house and walked to the front gate. Once she entered the courtyard, Eon came up behind her and muttered something. Elena screamed, and Eon hit her in the head with a metal pipe, while also stabbing her multiple times. The scream woke up a neighbor who went out to the courtyard but couldn't see exactly what was going on due to the darkness. He heard some noises, then heard a man say, Are you dead? before walking away. The neighbor walked out toward the gate and saw the man walking away quickly before he looked down, seeing Elena on the ground. More neighbors woke up where they carried the young woman inside where they attempted to clean her wounds as they waited for an ambulance. She was soon brought to the hospital where she died hours later. On June 2nd, another young waitress, 21-year-old Florica Marcoux, was leaving work in the early morning hours. She walked down to the bus station where she ran into a friend. The friend pointed out that a man was staring at her and she realized that the man had been following her. Just like Elena, Florica had also been followed a week before by a young man, but she wasn't sure if this was the same guy. She got onto the bus and didn't see the man again, but when she got off the bus and started walking to her house, he suddenly rushed her and hit her on the head with a metal pipe. She collapsed and Eon picked her up and carried her to a secluded area in a nearby cemetery. Eon made her promise to marry him, not to tell anybody what he had done, and to meet him again the next day. In an effort to stay alive, she agreed. Anything so this disturbed man didn't kill her. Eon then ordered her at knife point to take off her clothes, and he raped her. As they walked back to her house, he made her stop and raise her arm. Then he stabbed her arm and began sucking her blood. As a newspaper delivery truck showed up on the street, Florica ran into the middle of the road and began waving him down. The driver stopped, but by the time he got out of the car to investigate the bloody, half-naked woman in the road, Eon had run off. Florica was taken to the hospital and treated for her wounds and she gave a police report. On July 24th, 19-year-old Margareta Hengenu had left her shift at a shoe factory at 11 o'clock at night. She took a bus to her neighborhood where she walked down a narrow, very dark street toward her house. As she passed a parked truck, Ion jumped out and hit her on the head with a metal pipe. He grabbed her handbag, which contained a pair of shoes and some cash, and ran off. She started chasing him, but soon some friends saw her and when they noticed that she was bleeding, they took her to the hospital. A few days later, Ian went to Karabia to work through the summer, but when he returned to Bucharest, he picked up right where he left off. On November 24th, 1970, 47-year-old Olga Barataru left work at 2am and got a ride home. She went into her apartment building and, since the elevator was out of order, she started heading up the stairs. When she got to the second floor landing, Eon appeared and began hitting her on the head with the metal pipe. He dragged her back down the stairs and out of the building, around to the back. He pulled her down a set of stairs that led to the basement and ripped off her pants and underwear. As he raped her, she was too dazed to scream, but she was able to get out some moans which alerted a nearby resident who turned on a light and looked outside to see what was going on. When Eon saw the light, he ran off, taking her bag which contained some cash, but leaving Olga laying at the bottom of the stairs where she remained until 7.22am when she was finally taken to the hospital. A co-worker would later say that the man who attacked Olga was a regular at the restaurant where they worked, but that didn't seem to be enough to catch the perpetrator. One other disturbing fact about this attack was that it was the second where there were other people nearby who did nothing to help the victim. People witnessed Florica get attacked and carried away and just shrugged it off. Olga laid at the bottom of the basement stairs moaning for nearly five hours before someone finally called the police, and it took them nearly an hour to arrive. Through the end of 1970 into 1971, Ian began having a contentious relationship with his father's girlfriend. He first met her on Christmas Day, and he refused to speak to her unless he absolutely had to. He would even turn his back to her when she would enter the room. On February 16, 1971, 19-year-old Georgetta Savetku finished up her waitress shift at 2 o'clock in the morning and walked to the bus station. She got off the bus and walked down the street toward her house when she saw a man standing by a street sign. The man was Eon and he was waiting for his next victim. As she walked by him, he jumped in front of her, which caused her to panic and scream, People, he's killing me! Eon began hitting her on the head with a pipe, but her scream alerted a neighbor who turned on the light. The light scared Eon, who grabbed Georgetta's bag, which contained a small amount of cash and ran off. The neighbor watched as the young woman picked herself up and continued in a daze to her house. He turned off his light and went back to bed. When Georgetta got home, she told her husband what had happened and then fell into a coma. She was taken to the hospital, where she eventually recovered from her wounds. The next day, 18-year-old Elisabetta Floria left her shift at the restaurant at 4 a.m. She rode the first bus with two male coworkers before transferring to a second bus alone. At the next stop, Eon got on the bus and stood near the back, far behind Elisabetta. When the young waitress got off the bus, it was pouring rain and she hurried for the bus stop to her house. Before she could make it, Eon grabbed her coat, spun her around, and shouted, stay semi bat teenay, or a Which I'm told means, stay put so I can have my way with you, or I'll cut you. Though Google Translate says it means, let me make fun of you, or you'll cut yourself. So who knows? I tried. Elisabetta instantly started to scream, but Eon slammed her against the gate and began stabbing her. He stabbed her 14 times in total in the head, the hand, and the right leg. When a nearby resident opened a window and shouted, What are you doing? Are you killing her? Eon ran away. Nobody came outside to help the young woman, but he must have called the police because soon a police car and ambulance arrived on the scene. Elisabetta spent 17 days in the hospital, recovering from her wounds, but she survived. Eon didn't get away unscathed, though. He had cut his own finger during the attack, and it was actually in pretty bad shape. He tried to take care of it on his own, but the wound didn't heal right and he lost some mobility in his finger. On March 5th, 31-year-old Fanica Elia was working at the same restaurant where Elizabetta had worked. Because of the attack on her coworker, and since she had also been followed home by a strange man a few weeks earlier, Fanica waited for another waitress to walk home with. When she was only a few blocks from her home, the two women separated. As she entered the courtyard to her house, Eon surprised her and struck her in the head with the pipe. Fanica lost consciousness and Eon dragged her to a secluded area of the courtyard. He ripped her clothes off and threw them aside before he violently raped her. He bit her breast and leg, leaving teeth marks. When he was finished, he stole her purse and her watch and fled. She was discovered the next morning by neighbors when they came outside to shovel snow. It's unclear if she died from the wounds sustained by Eon or if she froze to death. On April 9th, 35-year-old Georgetta Papa was at work where she was, like the other victims, a waitress. The woman finished her shift and walked home, not knowing that she was being stalked by Eon. As she neared her home, Eon came up behind her and struck her on the head with a hatchet. He proceeded to strike her 48 times on the head and upper body using the hatchet and a knife. Then he dragged her into a nearby courtyard. He used the knife to slash her clothes and ripped them away. Then he raped her as she lay dying. He bit her breast and her vagina actually taking a chunk of skin with him. He took her wristwatch, which he still had at the time of his arrest, and then stomped on her abdomen. He would later say in a confession that he had asked a different woman for sex earlier that day and she laughed at him. His attack on Georgetta was revenge for all the women who had made fun of him. After Georgetta's body was discovered, police began what they called Operation Eagle, which is the English translation. The name came from the street where she was murdered, which was Volturi, so some places claim it was Operation Vulture, but despite the close comparison in words, Volturi seems to actually translate to Eagle. They studied the similarities between this murder and the murder of Elisabetta Floria. When they began searching records of other murders or attempted murders in the area, it was clear that Elena Opria was also a victim of the same killer. They believed the attacks on Florica and Olga were also the work of the same man. They also began a massive campaign to patrol the city and attempt to not only catch the killer, but stop more attacks. 6,000 men from various law enforcement agencies patrolled the streets of Bucharest. A hundred cars and 40 motorcycles were on patrol. Authorities had doctors, bus drivers, tram operators, and even bartenders on high alert, keeping their eyes peeled for anyone who could be the killer. The wound on Ian's finger reopened during his last attack, and he checked himself into the hospital on April 12th. He would be in the hospital until the 26th, which was good because he didn't attack any women during that time. It was also frustrating because hospitals were supposed to send information to police for anyone coming in with cutting or piercing wounds. This hospital didn't do that. Even more frustrating was the fact that the doctor and nurse both reported that they found Eon to act suspiciously, and they noted that he had a knife on him.
2: When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Serta. Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. See SertaIreland.ie
1: While in the hospital, Eon had his father go to his home and pick up some clothing that needed to be washed. When Floria retrieved the items, many of them had bloodstains on them. Even so, he took the items home and washed them. When he returned to visit his son in the hospital, he would say in a later interview that he asked about the bloodstains, and Eon told him that some of them were from rolling around on the floor with a woman who didn't give in to him, because that doesn't sound suspicious. The other bloodstains, he said, were from him cutting himself. He showed Floria a number of cuts on his legs. It seemed that Eon needed some type of pain in order to achieve sexual gratification. He told his father that he had once cut his own penis in order to climax. When Eon was discharged from the hospital, he wasted no time finding another victim. On May 2nd, 22-year-old Stanis Saracen was just finishing up work as a tram operator at 12.45 a.m. While walking home, a young man approached her and asked her what time it was. She checked her watch and told him it was 12.55 a.m. Suddenly, he reached forward and grabbed her crotch. She slapped him and he retaliated by punching her in the face. The young woman fell onto the sidewalk and began yelling for help. A nearby resident heard the call for help and opened the window, yelling at Ian. As soon as he heard the resident, he ran off. Stana filed a report with the police and though they believed she was attacked by the serial killer they were hunting, he left no evidence behind that would help them identify him. It's unclear if the increased police presence made it harder to target waitresses or if Eon just changed up his process, but on May 5th, 39-year-old Mihaela Ursa was studying for her doctorate at the University of Bucharest. She was also an assistant in the optics department of the faculty of physics. She was married and her mother-in-law lived with them at the time which made it hard to study at home, so she stayed at the university late to study. It wasn't until after 1am that she left the university and headed home. Everybody in the city knew that someone was attacking women walking home in the early morning hours, but Mihaela was preoccupied with her studies and let the time get away from her. As she was walking, a man approached her and she attempted to get away from him by ducking into a courtyard, but he hit her over the head with a metal pipe. This didn't knock her out and she began struggling with her attacker. Eon pulled a knife and slit the woman's throat. He pulled her body to the back of the courtyard and placed her face down over a pile of bricks. He began raping her, but suddenly someone entered the courtyard. Startled, Eon hopped the fence and ran away. The person coming in was a bus driver who had just gotten off work and was coming home. In the darkness, she didn't notice anything wrong when she walked through the courtyard, but the next morning she saw blood on her shoes, and when she looked out the window, she saw the body outside. Eon had been scared away before getting what he wanted, so instead of going home, he continued prowling for another victim. 42 year old Maria Yordaki left her home at 4 a.m. to go to work. On her way, she was hit on the head with a pipe and she immediately started running. While also screaming for help, Eon chased her, continuing to hit her with the pipe. Fortunately for Maria, Eon dropped the pipe and when he bent down to retrieve it, she was able to get further away, eventually ducking into a courtyard. When she was sure she wasn't being followed anymore, she went to the nearest police station and brought officers back to the scene. They brought a scent dog with them, but the rain had washed away any scent and they weren't able to pick up a trail. Then she was taken to the hospital where her wounds were treated. These attacks had once again damaged the wound on his finger, so on May 5th, he went into the hospital. A nurse on shift cleaned up his dressing, which she said was filthy. The doctor made a note that said it looked like he had rolled around in the mud. The doctor said Eon told him that he was a veterinary student who had just performed surgery on a horse. Uh, Okay. On May 7th, at 2 a.m., a watchman reported that a young man walked by, and then not long after, a young woman. Soon after, he heard a scream, and when he ran into the street, he saw a woman fall down, and a young man was standing by her with something in his hand. The man threw what was in his hand into a courtyard and ran away. The woman was unconscious and quickly transported to the hospital, where she was treated for wounds from a hatchet and a knife. She was in a coma for two months before she recovered and was able to pick Eon out of a photo array. When police searched the courtyard, they found the woman's umbrella and purse, but no evidence pointing to Ian. A few hours later, a young woman named Elena Bielusi was taking the bus to the restaurant where she worked. She got off the bus to transfer to another bus and noticed a thin young man also got off the same bus. As she waited for her next bus, which was late, she asked the man what time it was, but he didn't answer. He just stared at her. As soon as she turned away from him, she was hit on the head and knocked unconscious. When she came to, she was around the back of a building, laying in a puddle. She had no idea how long she had been there. She held onto the wall as she made her way around the building and into the front door. In the entryway of the apartment building were her shoes, purse, and a plastic bag that she was carrying her work clothes in. She climbed the stairs and knocked on a door. When a man answered, she tried to get help, but he shut the door. She knocked on another door and got the same response. She attempted to go back down the stairs, but she collapsed halfway down. When she awoke the second time, a woman was asking her what happened, but in spite of her being wounded and bleeding, she began berating Elena for drinking too much. The woman then put Elena's shoes back on her, handed her belongings, and walked her to the tram. Elena eventually made it back home where her father called the police. Once at the hospital, doctors determined that she had been struck on the right side of her head hard enough to cause caving and loss of bone measuring 3 centimeters by 2 centimeters. She remained in the hospital for almost 80 days. Still on May 7th at about 10 p.m., Iuliana Frazinski was walking from her work to the bank. She worked at a convenience store and was walking with 25,687 Romanian loo, the money from the day's sales, intending to deposit it in the bank. She was walking with a coworker when Ian jumped out from a courtyard and hit Iuliana on the head with the hatchet. The co-worker ran as the young cashier fell to the ground. He struck her a few more times before grabbing her bag and running away. The co-worker got the police and arrived on the scene to find a bloody Iuliana, dazed and confused. She was rushed to the hospital where she recovered from her wounds. A few days later, Ion's mother visited him and he told her about the money. He told her that he wanted to bury the money, and she told him it would be better if he buried it at a house she owned in Caracal. He also told his father that he had taken the money from a woman after hitting her on the head. Neither of his parents felt the need to notify the police. Just the opposite, his father took him to Caracal, where he buried the money in a shed near his mother's house. When police investigated Mihaela Ursa's murder, they found a bite mark on her neck and a strand of foreign hair in her fingers. Under her body, they found a note that was soaked in blood and unreadable besides the heading, which said Bucharest Students Hospital. Even back in 1971, scientists were doing amazing things with light frequencies. Now, this technology wasn't anywhere close to being available in a police lab, but one of the investigators had a sister who worked at the local optics institute. He took the note to her, and they were able to see that the note was a notice of sick leave written by a doctor at the hospital. The file number had a 4 and a 6 in it. Investigators went through 30,000 medical records and found 187 notices that had a 4 and a 6 in those respective places. Of those 187 notices, 17 of them hadn't been filed with the school, meaning the notice hadn't made it from the doctor to the university. Of those 17 students, one of them was Ion Rimaru. After gathering information about the 17 students who had missing notices, they became positive that Eon was their attacker. Authorities began staking out the university on May 27th with a plan to arrest Eon at 1 p.m. when he arrived for class. Before that, they broke the locks on his dorm room and searched it. They found marks on a table that looked to be made with a hatchet. They found blood-stained clothing. They also found a notebook where he made notes about his attacks, including three of the murders. Some of the notes listed objects that he had lost during the attacks, and one of the items listed was the medical notice. Not long before investigators finished their search of his room, Eon showed up at first angry that someone had broken into his room. When he noticed that the people in his room looked to be the police, he froze. One of the investigators greeted him and offered his hand to shake, which Eon instinctively did. Eon demanded to know what they were looking for, and after a short struggle, he was subdued. Inside the black bag that he was holding, they found a hatchet and a knife, both wrapped in a red towel. Along with the weapons, Eon was also wearing the watch he had stolen from Georgetta Papa. Later, dental impressions would match marks left on some of the victims and his blood type matched foreign blood found at some of the scenes. Authorities attempted to interview Eon to see if he would admit to other crimes, but he wouldn't talk. They brought in his father, but the young man remained silent. Once Floria was finished trying to talk to his son, investigators questioned him over the course of two days. This is where they learned about the stolen money that was hidden in Caracal. Police searched that house and found the money buried in the shed. Eventually, though, Ian did start talking. He first talked about his health and other activities that didn't involve the attacks. Little by little, he included more detail. Before long, he told them that he would go out at night and when he saw a woman, he would ask her to have sex with him. When she turned him down, he'd either attack her or find another woman to attack shortly after. As the days went on, Ian ended up confessing to four murders, countless attempted murders, at least six rapes, and a number of robberies. Authorities knew that this was a death penalty case. If they were going to go that route, they had to prove that Ian was aware of his actions. He was clearly not well mentally, but he had to be aware of what he was doing. This was not hard to prove as he had made notes about his attacks, even writing down things to remember for next time how to do things better, and how to make sure he didn't get caught. He was deemed eligible to receive the death penalty. The trial was also not an uphill battle. On top of Ian's own confessions, they had numerous pieces of evidence and a number of identifications from women who survived his attacks. The panel of judges, which was what they used in Romania at the time instead of a jury, found Ian guilty of 23 offenses, which consisted of robbery, theft, rape, attempted rape, attempted murder with grievous bodily harm, qualified murder, and highly aggravated murder. For all of the offenses outside of highly aggravated murder, he was sentenced to 219 years in prison. For the highly aggravated murder, he was sentenced to death. As soon as the sentence of death was announced, Eon became violent and tried to fight the officers guarding him, but he didn't get very far. Eon appealed the decision, and the same day, with no new evidence to add to the case, it was denied. Ion then began to claim that an Arab man named Ahmed gave him opium cigarettes that caused him to hallucinate. While hallucinating, he may have acted in a criminal manner. He said that Ahmed committed the rapes and murders but made him participate in some. So, were you hallucinating when you told your father that you attacked a young woman and stole over 25,000 loo from her? Were you still hallucinating when you traveled to another town to bury the money in a shed? Were you hallucinating when you wrote down details of your attacks in your journal? Come on. Up until the death penalty was abolished in Romania in 1990, executions were carried out by firing squad. Ion's trial ended on September 3rd and his appeal was denied on September 13th. On October 23rd, 1971, Ion Ramiru was executed. He was literally dragged to the stake as he fought the entire time. He yelled out for authorities to bring his father there so he could see what they were doing. He yelled that his father was actually the guilty one. Still, he was tied to the stake and executed by firing squad. He was 25 years old. In September of 1972, Eon's father, Floria, died when he fell from a moving train. Some say that Floria was actually pushed from the train by police, but the reason isn't quite clear. The only one I could find claimed that the police knew that Floria was also a serial killer and they wanted him dead so they could get fingerprints to match to the crimes. I don't know how likely that sounds, that's just what I read. In 1944, two years before Ian was born, four women were murdered in Bucharest. They all lived in basement apartments, and on stormy nights, a man would enter their apartment and bludgeon them to death with an object. The only evidence left behind were fingerprints and the prints from military boots size 42. That's a size 9 in the US. There weren't any matching fingerprints on file, so the murders went unsolved. It wasn't until Floria died in 1972 that his shoe size, 42, was noted and his fingerprints were taken for comparison. They came back as a match to the fingerprints left at all four crime scenes. Floria also served in the military during World War II and would have had a pair of military boots at the time. It's also believed by some, and Eon claimed this during his confession, that his killing was encouraged by his father possibly a way to experience murdering young women vicariously through his own son. Some people question whether or not people become serial killers due to nature or nurture. Does the person's environment completely shape them to become a brutal murderer, or can evil genes be passed down from a parent to a child? It would certainly seem that Eon Ramiro's story supports the latter at least somewhat. Most likely a combination of both, but there is certainly no question that Floria and Eon were both monsters. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harm in yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and we'll talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. Life's
2: full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's You Know What. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating, Emo, Jones Oil, and Campus Oil are now CERTA, delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CERTAIreland.ie.